Our high school guidance counselor used to ask us what you would do if you had a million dollars. Didn't have to work. And then invariably, whatever you'd say, that was supposed to be your career. So if you wanted to fix old cars, then you're supposed to be an auto mechanic. So what did you say? I never had an answer. I guess that's why I'm working at Initech. No, you're working at Initech because that question is bull to begin with. If everyone listened to her, there'd be no janitors because no one would clean up if they had a million dollars. If I had a million dollars. If I had a million dollars. Talking about millions of dollars. What would you do if you had a million dollars? I'll tell you what I'd do, man. Two chicks at the same time, man. We're living in a material world and I am a material girl. Or boy. Well, what about you now? What would you do? Besides two chicks at the same time? Well, yeah. Nothing. Nothing, huh? I would relax. I would sit on my ass all day. I would do nothing. Well, you don't need a million dollars to do nothing, man. Take a look at my cousin. He's broke, don't do If I had a million dollars, if I had a million dollars. Well, welcome back to Saxon Jackson. I'm Tim Allen, Andrew on the board. SP Futures down 21, NASDAQ Futures down 98. This is after an update yesterday. After we were down in the morning, we managed to rally for the rest of the day, but now we're going the other way again today. We'll see if it lasts there. Uh, do we have Mr. Kevin? Yeah, you do. Good morning. That's oh. me sometimes, uh, down in the morning, but rallying during the day. Yeah, well, it's, uh, so, um, the, uh, the, uh, we're, we're a couple interesting topics this morning, off, off, off anything bizarre. We were talking about, uh, and way in, I don't know how we got on the subject about signatures and cursive versus others. And, uh, and I was saying that one of the guys who really took pride in his signature was Arnold Palmer. Because the point was, if he gave you his signature, it must be something you were supposed to keep. So he would carefully write out in cursive Arnold Palmer, wherever he was writing it on your hat, your whatever piece of paper. And then his signature is the same signatures on the. Arnold Palmer drink, and then of course Andrew says, well, he loves Arnold Palmer drinks, so we kind of get in a discussion about that, and I, and I said, well, you know, I didn't say it, but you heard a story about him when he won the, uh, what, the athlete of the year, male athlete of the year the one year? Where he, he well, I, I didn't hear the story, so he, he won the story. He, evidently he's invited to the, whatever the finalists are for the, I forget what year it was, it was 60 or 61, somewhere in there, and he he, he had just won, I think he won the U.S. Open, and he had won the uh, Masters that year. I'm, I think I know he won the Masters on the even years, but and he goes out, and who's sitting there but Roger Maris. And Roger Maris didn't bleep it out. He says, looks at Palmer, he goes, what the bleep are you doing here? <laughs> <laughs> and uh, so Palmer ends up winning, right? And on the way out, he goes, I couldn't, I couldn't resist. I said to Maris, really, what the bleep are you doing here? <laughs> Said one way. So there you go. He had to give the little dig by the way out. Ernie was a yeah, competitive. I, I guess game. in Maris's case, what he what he was doing was looking at him and saying, "Golfers aren't athletes." Right. Oh yeah. And uh, uh, which, which you know so, uh, has, has been a long-standing thing. I, I don't think it, you hear that so much anymore, um, because you know nowadays golfers can be uh, all the workout warrior that any other athlete can be. Um, and and I think actually that was something that Tiger Woods imbued in the sport, um, because before then they really you know you didn't see golfers doing a whole lot of weight work, a whole lot of conditioning, a whole lot of running, or any of that kind of stuff. All that stuff that Woods can't possibly do now because yeah. his body keeps breaking down. Well, I would say that the the first guy to do that was Gary Player, he, without without question, and he was a kind of a preacher of it. But he was the 
He was the 90 push-ups on your fingertips in the morning right when you roll out of bed kind of guy. Yeah. Which is but, reasonably But he didn't hard to win do. as much as Woods did, so when no. Woods started doing it, everybody started doing it. So. Yeah. Well, Woods was a spectacular player. I mean, and Woods, Gary Player was a terrific uh, golfer as well. Yeah. The, uh, um, those guys would go around the world for when the new courses. The uh, You know, I, I wonder if they'd let you do that today. Uh, it, what wonderful world of golf. I mean, because you had a... Those guys couldn't have played in the. Well, they, they must have. They didn't. Have, they didn't miss any tournaments, so they must have been doing it on odd times or whatever. For those who don't know what the hell I'm talking about, uh, Shell put on a, a deal where they, in a way to promote golf and to promote Shell, they had uh, Nicholas Palmer and Player. They call it was like Big Three Golf, and they would go around the world and uh, they would play at these brand new courses in like India or someplace that were just absolutely spectacular. So it was a way to, to essentially. Uh, you know, push the country, push the course, push the shell, push the golf, push the game of golf, in these absolutely spectacular locations. I mean, it was a uh, the camera work wasn't like it is now, but I mean, every one of those places was something like, my God, whoever designed this was a genius kind of thing. Um, did you s- spot this thing this morning? The Starbucks union is now going to strike because the company wouldn't let them put all the gay prides st- <coughs> enough decorations up for. Gay Pride Month in the stores. I I didn't see it, but you know I'm I'm not surprised. I suppose I, um, you know we've had um, we, we've had advocacy groups within corporations uh, threatening management uh, for quite a few years now, uh, and and it's showing up, and management's caving in. You know, I'm as as big a proponent of um, you know different you know of I don't know what how I would describe it maybe a servant management style a servant leadership style in management but there are times when there is a line of authority and you just have to tell people you know you have to give them the the Ted Hesburg thing you know just you know I'll give you 10 minutes to pack your bags yeah <laughs> you know, sorry I'm running the show you're not yeah, I don't. Uh, I don't know how you. I don't really have. Like I said, I don't, I don't really have an issue with any, what anything, pretty much anybody does, as long as I don't bother anybody else. But I tell you what, th- this is getting to the point where it's bothering other people. I mean, I, I, I can't imagine. You know, I, I guess I'm still a Catholic. I can't imagine Catholics or Protestants or Jewish people or or uh, Muslims demanding on their certain days that if they don't if you don't put enough decorations up for their religion for that week or something or whatever that month or whatever it happens to be if it's Irish month if you don't put shamrocks in every Starbucks we're all going to go on strike but I can't imagine that well and and let's look at it from a real uh, practical standpoint um and 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 actually I'm going to take this back a little bit to uh oh years ago the Notre Dame women's basketball team uh when Muffet McGraw was still the head coach and remember when the uh, the fellow who was uh, um, uh, taken down to the ground in, uh, in New York, he was selling um, single cigarettes, the Lucy's they called them, yeah. and uh, and and he said, "I can't breathe," and and he wound up dying. Yeah. And so they showed up. Uh, the the team showed up in, uh, and it was driven by some of the you know some of the young women on the team. Um, I can't breathe T-shirts for uh, for warm-ups. Now, first of all, um, 
walking out of that basketball game, there were a lot of fans grumbling about that because they didn't want the team taking a political stance. But, uh, you know, in, in the interviews, uh, McGraw had said that uh, it was unanimous among the team. It was, uh, you know, one, one person's idea, but it was a unanimous uh, uh, team vote to do it. And I, my first reaction to that was, I doubt it. I sincerely doubt it yeah, that too. what you're really looking at is a lot of people who feel like they have to go along to get along here. And, uh, it, you know, maybe not a lot, maybe only a few, but when you do that, you create a level of resentment amongst your team um, that, uh, uh, that is not something that you really want to have. So, you know, that, that's part one is that, you know, I, I'm, cause I'm sorry, if you're looking at what, 12 or 13 young women and you think you're going to get them to agree to something uh, unanimously, I'm, I'm thinking not. I'll take, um, I'll take the under on that too. Yeah, I'll take the under on it too. So now what happens if the next time around, one of these young women says, you know what, I really want us all to wear uh, uh, anti-abortion t-shirts out. You know, uh, they have the, the big uh, annual march uh, on there, and I, I think we need to be on board with that. And, you know, and, and maybe someone else says, no, I, I'm totally in favor of abortion rights, and so I'm not going to do it. So, well, wait a minute, I went along with your... Uh, yeah, oh, yeah. You know, with your cause, you it, it's time for you to step up and go along with my cause. Well, let's let's take that back into a business now, and say, you know, what are you really doing here? You're asking, you know, a hundred percent of the people, even if if logic tells you not everybody is on board with this, and now if you're going to accommodate this group. Why wouldn't you accommodate a different group that takes a different stance? And so we could go back to issues like, uh, like abortion. It could go into, uh, you know, uh, Ukraine war support or against the Ukraine war. It could, you know, there, there could be a lot of things. And now what you have really done is you have undermined the concept of team in your, uh, uh, in your business. In other words, it's stupid. Yeah. It's stupid management. I, don't, I, I guess I don't. I don't understand the constant uh, having to. You know, I, I remember once it wasn't me. Thank God, it was somebody who was arguing uh, something against. It was actually a professor, I think, at Notre Dame. And he was arguing some case and kind of wouldn't let it go. And finally, professor, professor says to him, "Who are you trying to convince, me or you?" Well, yeah, and and in fact, you know, another another angle that I've considered on uh, on a lot of the stuff, especially because you know, uh, different uh, you know different groups, different uh, it, the issue now is it has to do with you know every brand of sexuality that people yeah. may have, and so what you know what what was the insistence for years? It shouldn't matter to you. You should accept me for who I am. It shouldn't matter. Okay, I'm on board. Yeah, doesn't too. matter yeah. to me. Doesn't matter to me. Now, now I, I don't care. You, you know, it's up to you. And all of a sudden, now you're telling me, oh, no, wait a minute. You're supposed to care. Yeah, you're supposed to care. Uh, I don't. Yeah, I don't. I, I don't. <laughs> Stop making me try. Stop trying to make me care. Yeah. I really don't. You can be whatever you want. I'm on board. Go away. Yeah, do, do whatever you want to do. I mean, uh, I just... Yeah, I don't, I don't know what the, but it, but it seems like instead of getting, you know, reaching a peak and kind of filtering out, it's getting, it's getting more and more 
uh, driven. And I don't know, I'm curious as to where, how to, where it's all going to end, to be honest with you, but you know, we will see. So you, did you watch, uh, speaking of Cat Plus, did you, uh, I was last night somewheres, and the, the prelim to the NBA draft, um, I, God, Kevin, if that's it, this is our new culture. I'm just not ready for it. I don't. Where do these people get their outfits? The, the, how much does the, does the, oh, the, the it's got to be like the Oscars, isn't it? It's it's <laughs> you know, it's, it's, the, it's way worse. With the dresses for the Oscars. Yeah, it's it's, it's, a, it's, it's how outrageous can we be? It's how outrageous can you be? And I'm sure we, it's, who's it? The uh, uh, these kids haven't gotten. A, well, I guess they have gotten paychecks now. But uh, is this all from the agent? I mean, and it's it's. And everybody's got everybody's got an entourage of like ten people. I mean, one of these guys. I, it's, I, and, and and then there's then there's the the, the, uh, the who's the head of the league? Oh, I think he's up to silver. Yeah, he's up in the middle of this whole mess. I, I I just I look at this and I go, no wonder people don't like this game anymore. I mean, I I don't know. It's a uh, yeah. I I knew it was uh, I knew it was happening last night. I paid no attention whatsoever to it. So I'm just pulling it up on the computer now, just to see who did get drafted. Well, the one kid was number one, and then uh, you no, know, I'll get a load of this. Fate complete. Well, the kid from uh, Alabama brought to the gun to the shooting went like number two. Yeah, they're, let's they're, make they're, an investment. Let's make a multi-million dollar investment in that guy. That's uh, but that's 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 Never our be world. Sorry for that, right? I, you know, I, I you know, people don't. I, I don't. I don't get this about we don't care. That I'm telling you what that kid's. I don't know. I, I I shouldn't say anything, but I'm thinking there's more to this than him dropping off the gun. And I wonder how much is being swept under the rug. The the alle- early allegation was that he he blocked he blocked the people in so they could shoot the guy. But I mean, what the idea of bringing a gun, a loaded gun, back to your buddy who's admittedly drunk on the phone and having a problem in a bar? I, I don't I don't know where where that common sense comes from or lack of it. I mean, I know I'm, we're acting old here, Kevin, but Jesus Christ, you can't do that. I mean, I guess you can today if you're if you're a good enough basketball player. But uh, anyhow, so there's only there's 58 people drafted today, and, and I don't see the Bulls on here at all. They didn't, they didn't get a pick, right? Uh, nope, they didn't have a pick. So yeah, this is well, uh, they improved their team so much that they don't need picks. Yeah, well, the Spurs grabbed the Victor Wembanyama, Metropolitan's 92, whoever the hell that is. Uh, then there's Brandon Miller from Alabama. Who, who is they get? Now look at the next three people. This, that's what I wanted to ask you this morning. Blazers draft draft Scoot Scoot Henderson, whoever he is. G League Ignite. Who's that? These are the uh, uh, these are the guys that uh, from a rule change. Um, oh, it's been a couple of years now, where they said guys could go from college right into the G League is the old um, you know sort of the minor league of the NBA. Um, so uh, uh, it, it what, what we used to call it the uh, NBA Development League, um, and that's where people can toggle back and forth between, you know, they can get ten day contracts and so on from uh, from that. Um, so all these guys, uh, G League, uh, Ignite, Overtime Elite, etc. These are all guys who opted to pass on going to college from high school and instead went into the G League. They weren't eligible to be drafted but if, into isn't the every NBA one of the te- yet, but they could play professionally. But isn't every isn't every one of the teams there sponsored by a team? Doesn't the Bulls have a team in the G League? Um, I, I think there there is a loose alliance with it, and and I'd have to pull up a little. Let me 
let me do it while we're talking. I'll, I'll, I'll pull up uh, some information about them. But, um, but regardless, it's yeah, it, it's an opportunity for those guys to play professionally without going to college. I actually, um, I, I'm actually not a. Uh, uh, I have no problem with it whatsoever. Um, I think that's that's honest. It's above board. Yeah, I don't, I don't really either. Um, but, I, but it's interesting that of those first seven picks, five of the people were not in college. Yeah, okay. the, this Metropolitan's ninety-two. That's the European team, right? That this guy Victor, what's his name, Sam? Yeah. Well, there's another guy off his team, a seventh pick, uh, Bilal Koulibaly, uh, the Pacers grabbed. Uh, he was number seven, and they, they got traded to the Wizards. Um, for who? I don't know. What the... Yeah, so it's interesting. You go down there, you hit Alabama, then you hit all these other ones, and then you come back to Arkansas and uh, and, and Houston. But number nine, you got a guy uh, from Central Florida, as I'm looking at this. So before anybody from Kentucky, Michigan, a Big Ten school, or any of those gets drafted by Duke, um, before any of those, you get a guy off of Central Florida squad. Uh, this lively guy from Duke is the number. He was number twelve. Jet uh, Howard's kid, Jet Howard, got drafted number eleven. I didn't yeah, think, boy, I think that that's that a reach. Seems I think. a little high. Yeah, yeah I did too, boy. Uh, and uh, Kobe Buffkin, Michigan, was he that good? Jordan uh, Hawkins of Connecticut. Well, let's put it this way: they had two first-round draft picks, and I don't think they made the tournament. Yeah, it's uh, that's pretty scary. I mean, how good can they be? The clowny. Alabama, he was—he was—he was. They had two good good guys on that team, that's for sure. Here's another Duke guy, uh, the twenty-second pick, guy from Iowa. I mean, uh, sort of sort of interesting. What? Uh, yeah, the second round is for the upperclassmen. Yeah, what was your take? Uh, we you know, we talked somewhat about it yesterday, and we've been we've been going going back and forth on uh, on our, our little whatever we do back and forth with the people on the show and other other few people on uh, this. Uh, you know, I know I brought it up a few weeks ago, and I don't know one it was either Lou or, or uh, Carl was kind of dis- disagreeing with me a little bit about the Supreme Court. And I'm like, if if you can't trust those guys to be purer than Pharaoh's wife, I mean, where are you going to go? I mean, uh, and now now it's like the third person. This Alito was on some some big time jet with somebody or whatever that has. Oh, this goes back, you know, at least to. Ruth Bader Ginsburg, and and maybe before then, this is this is a long-standing practice, and it gets exposed by you know left or right, depending on on which judges they prefer to uh, to discredit. Um, so, it's, uh, so you know what, what can I say? It, this is like, heck. We talk about this at a at a very root level in in you know, first-year management class uh, and, and in business ethics classes and so on, that this is, um, you know, what do you accept from people and what do you not accept from people? This is like, you know, uh, one of the exercises I like to walk students through is, well, you know, the guy wants to, uh, you know, you're, you're going through an evaluation of a major system and you're leading the team. So the salesperson wants to take you out to lunch every two weeks. Is that a problem or not? And for some people it is, and for most people it's, you know, you know that's kind of standard practice in, uh, in, in industry. No, it's no big deal. Okay, now he wants to take you to a, a South Bend Cubs game where, you know, tickets are, what, 10, 12 bucks, and 
you know, maybe a uh, maybe a beer and a hot dog or something like that. And okay, yeah, you know, you know a, a few people saying, yeah, a little less comfortable, but that's it. Okay. Now he wants you to come into Chicago, visit the home office. He'll uh, uh, take you to a Chicago, uh, Gibson's and then a Chicago Cubs game. And really, it's, you know, I don't want you to have to drive back to Michiana overnight, so how about I put you up at the Drake? Oh, well, that's not okay. Well, yeah. you know, it, this is, you know, this is a where do you draw the line? And what do you just accept? And when, you know, the, when when going you know when when the salesperson takes you out to lunch becomes your normal because it happens so much then you think nothing of it um, is it a bribe maybe but it's a cheap bribe you know it it, it, it gets to be like that well I think you you, you know you have um, a, a Supreme Court and you have a lot of people in in Washington because I don't I doubt it stops at the Supreme Court I'm sure that you get all these agency heads and you know people like that who are uh, um, you know who, who are, are entertained shall we say uh, and lavishly entertained by um, uh, by all kinds of people with agendas that go before them it's not just the Supreme Court I am sure that if you went and found some of the department heads in the FDA or you know any of those kinds of places uh, FDA, CDC, or so on—they're probably getting all kinds of lavish perks from uh, 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 from interested parties as well. Pfizer, you know, Pfizer and Moderna and people like that. So it, this is—it's—it's it's a really, really bad idea culturally. And even if these people are totally capable of having of not having that influence them in any way, um, then even if it's still a really bad look and not something that we should want to see. I don't know what, Kevin, I, you know, I've had, uh, I'm, 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 I'm with you on this, I just don't know, we were at it, on, we were on it from the other side, when I say we, the, uh, this, the CBOE, and when you talk about the, the, the world of finance, all right, and big firms and, and people that are influencing the FCC and the Congress people and all these kinds of things, you know, and even the stuff with the, the payment for order flow and all the all the kind of crap where how the the industry's changed in my lifetime from essentially uh open auction to to first look and kickback you know which to me by definition is it's, on one hand it's it's we used to have uh we the cboe the board would have one meeting in washington per year uh where we would we, we would bring in i'm saying we, we would bring in uh, senators and, and uh, representatives would to speak at breakfast, lunch, and dinner, and we'd have one one dinner at night where we invite all the people on the SEC board and some of the staff people there and so forth, just kind of as a as a meet and greet. And the, the first year or second year, you know, everything was kind of you know they'd come over and there was a a dinner at the place, a cocktail thing and dinner, and everybody got a chance to talk to different people on the board or the uh, SEC. I was not impressed, by the way. Uh, for mo- by most of them, um, and all of a sudden, like the third year, well, they could show up and they could have a few drinks, and uh, somehow, and they would have to pay for the drinks, and then they you could they couldn't stay for dinner. And my thought was, you know, the 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 thought that we were buying these people by one dinner a year is so ludicrous. I can't even go there. You know, it, it, I don't I don't see how that could possibly. Or when you had somebody came into Chicago and uh, Bill Bratsky had a young lady that worked for him, 
and she was terrific, just really a nice person. And she she worked this political shtick, you know. How's that for a definition? Where she somehow she knew she had all these contacts that if uh, Tom Foley was one of the guys that came in, she knew Tom Foley was coming to Chicago. Tom Foley was a was a speaker of the House after uh, Tip O'Neill, right? And uh, big big huge guy, tall guy uh, from uh, Washington. He comes in, seemed like a nice enough sort. But there was a there was a deal there, Kevin. You could you could have a coffee, you could have some rolls and some scrambled eggs, and the 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 price was five hundred bucks is what a what a place could give a guy like Tom Foley or a senator or whatever. Now I can't believe that we're going to buy the guy for five hundred bucks. You know that was the stipend. I'm sure, I think then it went up maybe to a thousand or something. That was the normal contribution for one of those guys coming by. And they stayed hour and a half, gave a little spiel, and then all those people could ask questions about various stuff. Then they would they would ask questions about your industry and and what kind of legislation would would bury you. They, they, it, it, to me, it seemed like an amazingly good way of uh, for people meeting people in various industries. I mean, if the next place you went was to a, a group of architects, I mean, I if it was me, I'd learn a hell of a lot about architecture asking these it guys is, questions. It is good to get out yeah. and amongst amongst but I didn't, your constituents. I didn't see at that level any any sort of, of you know, I guess if the people in the room all sent the guy $50,000 checks when they walked out, maybe that would be, but I mean, just I don't see how that was an, an issue, to be honest with you at all. It's not, it's not kind of what we're we're talking about here, but you know, as we talk about the Supreme Court people and and what's his name, well, the the chief guy, his wife making ten million dollars last year is a headhunter for attorneys. I mean, I just I think that if she wasn't his wife, that number would not be ten million. Plus, the law firm that she works for, and or the firm that she works for, and is she she billed like eleven million and she got ten, and I'm thinking this is what I read anyway. And I'm thinking, wait a minute, who gets a split like that if you're not like the Supreme you know, Supreme Court guy's wife? I, you know, and I, well, let's continue this kind of after the break because it, it's interesting. SP Futures down 18, as if you're down 80, be right back, Stacks and Jacks. How much confidence do you have that your investments will make you wealthy? Do you truly know the odds? Welcome to Luckbox, the control freak's guide to life, money, and probability. Luckbox shows you how to gauge the likelihood of success before you commit to an investment or any other decision. And Luckbox is free for one year at luckboxmagazine.com slash jocks. Each new issue dives deep into the current investing climate, separates the signal from the noise with relevant trade ideas, and equips you with cutting-edge tactics you don't already know. Luckbox is the essential magazine for proactive investors who are hell-bent on pursuing life, luxury, and happiness through sports, fitness, travel, food, spirits, music, and a whole lot more. Smart investors don't bet on possibilities, they play the probabilities. Luckbox is $7.99 on newsstands, but you can subscribe for 10 free digital issues at luckboxmagazine.com slash jocks. Don't rely on luck. Get Luckbox at luckboxmagazine.com slash jocks. Is your business being challenged by the complexities surrounding healthcare reform or other matters related to human resources management? If so, then Cognos HR can help. A longtime friend and contributor to the Stocks and Jocks radio program, Cognos HR provides its clients with a perfect blend of strategic consulting and day-to-day HR management to drive overall improvement in business performance. 
Companies that join the Cognos HR family are better able to manage health care costs, enhance benefit offerings, and improve employee satisfaction by leveraging our access to Fortune 500 benefits. Our innovative onboarding and payroll technology, along with our constant attention to detail, enables us to provide the highest level of quality service to our clients. Now, your time and energy can be focused on generating business and increasing your bottom line. We'll take care of the rest. For more information, call us at 630-401-8810 or search us on the web at CognosHR.com. Cognos HR, innovation and human resources. Licensed in Illinois and Arizona. Hello, this is Tom Howell, the Chief. Confused about investing these days? I suspect you are not alone. Investing was never easy, although at times it may have seemed so. I think one reason behind the current concern, although maybe not explained as such, is how the fluctuation of the American dollar and the associated politics is affecting your investments and your wealth. It may not be enough to make some money in your investments. You may need now to make enough to exceed the amount that your leadership is depreciating the value of the dollars you've worked your whole life to accumulate. That same leadership has seen fit to maneuver risk-free interest rates to near zero. Providing positive risk-averse returns in a zero-interest and declining real-wealth environment is by far the toughest assignment I've ever had in my years as a money manager. I'm sure that a lot of you have heard that one way to possibly deal with this problem is to invest in so-called hard currencies like silver and gold, the idea being that they will retain their relative value in the face of devaluation of paper currencies like the dollar. To be honest, I have never been a gold bug. I've always had faith that having enough dollars and a good investment strategy was good enough. Now I'm not so sure. But I do know that if I did invest in gold or silver, I'd want to do it in the same manner as we do with PTI for investments in the market, with defined risk. If you feel the need to invest in gold or silver, we can do it using the same strategies that we use for our protected index program. No matter what you invest in, we feel that you need to know and control your risk. Find us at PTISecurities.com. That's PTISecurities.com. Stocks, jocks, Stocks and jocks. Stocks and jocks. You are out of control. Here, right now. Right here, right now, right now. Hello, Northwest Action Jacks. I'm Tom Allen, on the board. SP Futures down 18, NASDAQ Futures down 80, Dow Futures down 91. So we're leaking here this morning. We were leaking yesterday and we ended up up. So who knows? Maybe that'll be the way the day is. We do have some buy the dipping going around. Uh, we're back into that mode a little bit. But uh, we'll see if that's what happens today. Individual stocks got 3M is actually up 350. Uh, the rest of the Dow looks pretty weak though. Caterpillar Dow is a buck 60. Uh, Home Depot down a buck 60. Microsoft down 206. Salesforce down a buck 60. So they're all kind of leaking here a little bit, um, except for 3M. Over in Asia, uh, we have Nikkei down 43. That's one and a half percent. The Hang Seng. Now these guys were closed the day before. Now yesterday. Hang Seng down 328, that's 1.7%. Shanghai down 42, again, they were closed yesterday, 1.3%. So kind of whack-whack across the board uh, in, in uh, over in Asia today, which is, they're all, all, all of them are there, not just the one or two. We're in Europe, tax down 116.7%, uh, FTSE down 20.3%, uh, Kakaron down 15.2%. Uh, Siemens Energy is down 31%. It's a big outfit over in Germany, obviously. Um, yesterday, Dow was down 40, the S&P was up 16, and NASDAQ made it up 128, so there was a big bounce back in the NASDAQ from the few days before, but not so today. Uh, bonds, so far today. Ten-year down 6 basis points to 3.73, the bond down 12, 12 basis points to 2.36, uh, Japan uh, unchanged at 0.37, those are big moves in, uh, in the bond, down 12 basis points. 
oil down 88 cents, back under 70 bucks, 68.63. Rent down 79 cents, 73.75. As oil continues to fly back and forth across its 70 hour number from 67 back up to like 74 and back down. Natural gas up 3 cents, 264. That's been grinding higher almost every day for the last month or so. Arbob down a penny, 253. We've got gold, which has been getting hammered, up 510 today, but still 1928. That's the very, very low end of this range. We'll see if it makes a new range. Silver down 9 cents, 22.37. Copper down 5 cents, 3.83. Bitcoin, which has been rallying, eh, still over 30,000, 30,079, only down 65 bucks. And the U.S. dollar, which has been kind of all over the place, a lot stronger today with the uh, with the uh, euro uh, up to 108. And, well, that's actually high, so it was yesterday the dollar was the other way. And the, and the British pound at 127. I'm sorry, the dollar is stronger today with the euro at 108. But it was... It was over. It was over 109, uh, which was really high yesterday. Uh, what do you have for us, Trevi Withers? Sports, Andrew. All right, it is Cubs in London. Oh, was that sorry? Cubs are in London, playing their best ball. All of a sudden, they got two days off to fly to London. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It was a, a not too eventful day in baseball yesterday, at least not here in Chicago. Um, yesterday, we just had the Diamondbacks playing the Nationals, and they won five to three. And that was a makeup game all the way from June 8th. So over to Chicago weather. It's currently 64 degrees, mostly sunny skies today. Going to have a high of 81. That's going to hit around 4 p.m. And over in Phoenix, they're at 80 degrees. They're going to have a high of 99, and that's going to hit also around 4 p.m. And they got clear skies right now. Uh, finally, for Chicago traffic, a bit more interesting today for a Friday. Uh, a bit of a mess over on the Kennedy. Uh, things are getting a little bit better as time goes on. It was from an earlier accident. Uh, however, from about Lawrence Avenue to about Fullerton Avenue, um, all the way on the inbound. It is pretty heavy in the red, so expect some pretty heavy delays for coming in on the Kennedy, as well as outbound on the Stevenson. Uh, a disabled vehicle is causing some delays between Route 171 and US 20 West. So, a bit more exciting than the typical Friday, but that's all I got. Back to you, Chief. So, Kevin, we were talking, uh, you know, it, it reaches the point, I mean, there's there's different views of this, um, and one of the views that I have, which is the on the the black and white scale, you know, I guess I'll give you the white. I used to have, uh, used to. I don't know. Did you ever take a class from uh, Father Fitzgerald at Notre Dame? Nope. He, yeah, the guy, the guy just died at like 107 or something. But he, uh, <coughs> but he, he was old when I was there. Because um, what do they say? Everybody ten years older than you is old. Is that the the deal? Yeah. Way? Well, it, it, here's here's my my take on old. Is one day uh, uh, one day I uh, I was thinking about it. I said, "Damn, I'm old." <laughs> and then five minutes later is, "Wait a minute, I've been old for a long time." <laughs> well, it, but he was a a pretty high high end mediator and arbitrator, right now. Again, it, he's a priest. He's done done a lot of money, but he's got what is Mike Tyson used to say. He's got he's got three hats, three hats and a cot, right? And he and he's teaching at Notre Dame, so it's not a well. And I and I don't think the Holy Cross priests had to take vows of poverty like some orders do. But I'm saying I I don't I mean the guy. It, it's not that they accumulated vast wealth or anything, but you know, but they they didn't have the. Uh, that same uh, uh, that same standard that others did. So keep going. Well, I'm saying. I, so he would say that if, if I went out to do an arbitration or a mediation, I made all my own air, air, airline reservations. I'd stayed in some 
you know, keep keep the light on uh, kind of motel out of town where nobody even knew where the hell I was. I made it all of myself. I wouldn't even let the people here do it. And I showed up, and if I'd go into the, the restaurant associated with the place and a and a beer showed up at my, my spot at the bar and said, this is a gift from somebody and somebody, I'd immediately go to the pay phone. This is before they had cell phones, uh, Andrew. And I'd call up and say, I've been compromised, and I'm out. Now, uh, you and I may say, hey, you know what? <laughs> the six fifty an hour I'm, I'm making for being an arbitrator on what it was then, I don't know who sent me this beer. I'm not going to drink it, and I'm going to have my dinner, and I'm going back to my room, and I'm, I'm just going to ignore it. I mean, that would be like, that's probably where I would be. I wouldn't give the whole thing up just because somebody sent me a beer. Uh, but, I mean, there's, there's kind of, everybody has sort of their, their spot here. And, their uh, line. Where's your line? And, uh, but, and, and, but the thing about this Alito thing and the thing, the thing about Roberts is they seem genuinely stunned if somebody calls them on it. And I'll give you an example, Kevin. I wrote that yesterday. There was, a, there was when they started, and I don't know, i, I got to ask a, Brennan will know. Uh, somewhere along the line, weren't weren't judges appointed in Illinois, and then all of a sudden they became elected? I, I don't know. I'm not so sure. But anyway, as as these elections for judges became more and more, we're talking about 150 thousand dollar a year job, where guys are spending you know half a million dollars, not half a million, but some of them are. I mean, they're spending way more than that to get the job, you know, which is a little odd when you think about it. But uh, so they, this guy runs from and he's in a a spot outside of Cook County. He's in another county. And his biggest, I think it was in State Farm in, uh, aren't they in, are they in Bloomington? Yeah. Well, must be one of the counties down there. So the guy, his biggest benefactor is State Farm. Like 80% of the dough he got for his, for his run. And uh, so, sure enough, like a year later, some massive case involving liability in State Farm. And they say to the guy, don't you think you should recuse yourself? The look on the guy's face, he either was a great actor or something, Kevin. He looked, he's like, what are you talking about? I'm not compromised at all. I'm not, I, don't, I don't owe State Farm or something along those lines. I'm going, whoa. Uh, then, then you get back to what when we were young, they'd say you have to avoid even the appearance of impropriety. If you're a baseball player, you don't hang out in the sports book in Vegas all winter, even if you never make a bet. You know, and just get free beers because people think you're betting or something. You, you, you don't do that because <laughs> everybody everybody's going to assume, even maybe wrongly, that you're there betting on God knows what, and you might have you know you might owe the casino something or whatever while you're playing baseball or basketball or football. There, there's an appearance of impropriety, and I don't think people have a clue what that even means anymore. I mean, well, I, yeah, I, I think, and I don't I don't think that's across the board, Tom, because you know I do run into a lot of people who are incredibly ethical and they're very very conscious of it that the the issue really gets to be that when things get ingrained into your culture your standard mo that then you you lose touch with it you it's it's just your normal and it, it, it and so you think everything's okay people progress to that now, you know, I probably had, you know, I, I don't know how many salespeople who are listeners saying, what are you raising the issue of taking people to lunch for? We do that all the time. And, and they do. And that's pretty standard business practice. And it's built into the marketing budget. And there's certain amounts of entertainment that are built into people's marketing budgets because that's what we consider normal. Uh, the, the question is, you know, at what point 
does uh, does somebody become ingratiated to the salesperson and to at least have a really hard time to saying no I'm going to go with someone else's product um, and, and and that's really the point of doing it that way so you know I, I think it, it it's it starts at a very low level. I, you know, I'm I'm a big fan, like in in business, of people just dealing with everyday ethics situations, all the kind of stuff that comes up on a day in day out basis. Because what you're really doing, and and I, you know, I advise people, you do this like in your weekly team meetings or whatever it is. You take 10, 15 minutes. You lay out a, a, a an ethics situation and discuss how to deal with it with no right or wrong answers, just with you know, opinions, so that people are thinking that way. You're thinking about the small stuff, the stuff that comes up every day. Someone taking credit for someone else's work. Um, You know, someone, uh, uh, you know, not, you know, uh, you know, gossipy things, backbiting things, all of those. Because when people are, you know, are you develop that mindset, then the big stuff comes along and you know that that's not appropriate. Uh, because because you you know it's it's sort of like exercising the ethics muscles uh, is is a way to look at it and, and you know to me that's what's really missing is we don't get this at the low levels and so when people finally get to the higher level jobs they say cool all these perks come with it well no they shouldn't well but I they think shouldn't. in Washington it becomes a part where in a lot of places where if it's it's so bizarre ahead of you that am I going to be the only representative. You know, elected from, you know, butt bleep county, and I'm gonna I'm gonna beat McDonald's every night. Of course, McDonald's is expensive now, where everybody else is, is seems to be out with some lobbyist taking them to some nice place, and they never pick up a tab in their life. Am I am I the only one gonna sit in my one bedroom apartment cooking yeah, for myself? Yeah. So what's wrong with me? Yeah. It's like, you know, then it gets to be what you know. Why why am I must be wrong because they they can't all be wrong can they? I'll tell you uh, that it, uh, 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 part you, you, get a, you get a really a really weird mindset that grows up around this and uh, and, and it's not healthy for the country. Well, there were, when uh, Pullman this is, be, this is before my time at Pullman, uh, I I started there just at the end of the R forty six contract where Pullman built seven hundred and some subway cars from New York. Then we went from there into the Amtrak contract. And it just signed the Boston contract, which is the one I was assigned to. That was sort of my financial baby from 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 day one when I got there. So I dealt with the Boston people, went from Boston back and forth. I never was really involved in the other two, but I know that the the New York one was was really dirty. <laughs> and when when the thing started, they and, and uh, I know Wally Kilray was involved. Uh, well, he was a terrific guy. I've learned more from that dude. Than, than anything, because he was also the marketing guy in the Boston thing, and we would go to Boston together, me being the finance guy. And I, and while he was an older traveling salesman sort of dude, and knew all the tricks, and you just learned a lot from him. You know how to fly in the airplane, what to wear, you know <laughs> everything, everything you, you you learn from the guy. So, uh, but it, they they had a deal. The people from New York, once Pullman got the deal, and then Pullman, I don't know if they were babes in the woods or what, but um, it was. Allegedly, a competitive bidding contract, right? Well, the minute Pullman gets the deal, they're sort of informed. You know, we really like to play golf, like at this country club. So Pullman had joined the country club with one of the guys as being a member, and and constantly take the people from New York to play golf. It was you know some real high end country club, and they said you know we really like to go to Ranger games. So Pullman had I don't know four or eight tickets 
you know, center ice for the Rangers so they could give them to the New York people. And they they had a revenue test where the, 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 the cars had to run for 10 days without any kind of a problem. Well, even, but they they told you what to put in the car. So essentially if a headlight went out and a brand they told you you had to buy, you had to start all over on the 10 days. And actually some people later on said you it would be impossible to ever, to ever have one of those tests because something has to go wrong in something in 10 days. Anyway, so, but in order to fix it, Pullman had to pay off the people at night in wherever the repair facility was just to get in the door. But I, I was there, and all of a sudden there's people that were uh, investigating everything, and some of these people from New York went to jail, the guys that got this money, because it wasn't just, they were, they were grabbing stuff from every single contra- <coughs> contractor working for New York, and they ended up going to a guy named Larry Pianto and a few other people. They served time. <coughs> so, I mean, it, they, they were, shall we say, over the hump, Kevin, or over the line. To a well, I, and, and I will guess that uh, that they had, um, you know, there, that there was policy that said uh, gifts over X dollars, you have to report. I don't know, nineteen seventy-five. So they just kept it under there. A pair, a pair yeah. of Rangers tickets, you know, back in the day, no big deal. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Uh, and and maybe uh, you know, if you take me to dinner in the process, maybe I can report that as a separate gift. And may, you know, maybe I can treat it as a separate gift, so then it's not reportable. And and you start getting, you know, I mean, it, it, again, it's it's all it's all a mindset. It's all very it, it's very cultural, and it, it, you know, they they talk about having ethics programs at uh, and policies at companies, and and it isn't the policies; it's the behavior. It's it, you know, it's the the group think that you develop. Um, that is going to make it honest or dishonest, and and it it is so important um, because you, you you just can't you can't run a business on but I, but I, it will come. Uh, I also think Kevin, at some point. and I mean you're probably going to disagree that one of the, one of the problems is uh, in uh, George Stigler. Well, I love the quote on this because these are his ideas, not mine. So I probably should at least say where I got him from. One kid asked him, one kid, one guy in grad school asked him, how can you stop corruption? Like in the city of Chicago. And he goes, I can stop it tomorrow. <clears throat> he goes, nobody want to do it. He said, the mayor makes forty-five grand a year. He makes uh, <clears throat> essentially a tenth of what the chairman of uh, this one, Dick Daly, was involved. Uh, this, Dick Daly Sr. He goes, he's got probably a bigger budget than, and more employees than half of these Fortune 500 companies. And they're making, you know, five hundred grand a year. He said, "Pay the guy a million bucks, and 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 put eighty percent of it in escrow. That he doesn't pay. And any time he gets caught along the way, if he has any kind of a corruption thing, he forfeits the uh, escrow. I mean, you can't have <clears throat> a, a, a. I think they make because anybody who is driven by money and is selfish about it and unethical about it is going to behave according to what's going to get the max value. So, yeah, if you pay them a million bucks and put it in escrow, um, that may do it. But, I mean, you can't... Although although now the numbers are bigger, as, as we've learned from the Biden family. Right. But, you, but you, you, can't, you, you can't be in a position, I think, ethically, to where your representative, everybody who's taking him for dinner in New York... Or new, well, I'm going to say that, uh, well, our buddy uh, Doc, not, not Dr. J, our other buddy Doc, used to tell me that the guys in the South Side, back when uh, 
I just started down here. He said the representatives were making like forty grand a year. And you had to keep two houses because everybody they graduated law school with who had a real job was making twice that. He goes, so if they go to play golf at Beverly, of course somebody's taking them. They can't afford it. He goes, the whole thing is screwed up. I mean, how is that job not at least the equivalent of somebody their year in, in, a, in a law firm? I mean, why, 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 do, why is a representative, if it's not somebody takes him, literally can't afford to go to dinner in Washington two nights a week? Because I imagine the places are pretty darn high. I mean, it, somehow we got this, like, like, in the words of Stigler, he goes, you can't have this situation where you know all the aldermen are cheating so you don't pay anything, and then when they're cheating, you're pissed off. Because you can't have it both ways. It, there's, there's truth to that. But how does the President of the United States make four hundred fifty grand a year when the President of, of, of butt bleep little firm here makes four mil, right, and, and, and gets stock options on top of it and gets a steal? I mean, do we really want the best people or don't we? I'm not saying that if we doubled the price, we'd get somebody better than the two people we've had in the last two times. But I'm saying it's a really weird weird way of looking at things, Kevin, don't you think? Well, it, it is a weird way of looking at things, and, and I, I will agree with that. Um, what I'll say is uh, that the idea that, it is, and we know this because we see it all the time, that uh, enough of a career in government is going to lead to Opportunities outside of government. So, I don't know. You know, if well, you want to build a model that said we'd like your service for a, a finite amount of time, and then you can move into the private sector, um, then okay. But of course, when we say we'd like your service for a finite amount of time, then they go about starting to ingratiate themselves to people in the private sector, so that those downstream I, jobs I would can rather, happen. I, it's just a, I, it's a it's a it's a choice. I. I Every time I see Janet, Janet Yellen, I, I don't know, I'll, I'll be nice and say the hair stands up on the back of my neck. The thought that she is in a job at the Federal Reserve where she's supposed to be regulating people and then goes out after work and makes $7 million in the next three years on the rubber chicken circuit from the people she's supposed to be regulating and now gets a job back in government, I, I would much rather, with all the money we piss away, pay the chairman of the Federal Reserve a million bucks a year and say, none of this stuff when you're done. I mean, you can't, you can't sell the, the... You have a job with these people. You, you, the idea that somebody writes her a $300,000 check to, for a luncheon engagement because of the way, because she's, she's such a good speaker, Kevin... She's not. For If you believe that, i got a bridge for you. There, and now, now the seven million they paid her. Well, how's she gonna? She's in a spot where she's supposed to sort of regulate from that spot. How how the hell is she gonna go after Citadel or some places when they gave her six hundred grand, where the number was? I mean, come on. I mean, I, that job it's it's the number one economic job in the world. How does it pay one hundred and seventy five grand or something? And then after, and you say, well, afterward they're gonna go out and pay to. You get paid by all the guys they shouldn't be getting paid by. Well, hell, you, <laughs> duh. Yeah, that's why I said they're going to get ingratiated. They're going to spend but, their time in setting up the next job. Well, uh, then by ingratiating themselves. Well, then, uh, you, then you uh, can't to be, those they regulate. So that's that, not that doesn't work either. But then, but then, you, then, then you get a guy like me saying, 
that's that's unethical. Now, wait a minute. That's the deal. We pay you 150 and afterward you go out and make your dough. It's not my deal. I mean, we're paying how much money we're pissing away. We, we, we can't afford to pay a little more of salaries to these people. I'm not saying, you know, I, I'm dying to give senators more money, but we, we make them have the, the, the cottage industry outside. And the people who stay there, I mean, why, why do you think, I mean, I, if you listen to Carl, which we'll, we'll ask him again later in a few minutes here, why do you think so many good people, I, I honestly believe this and I can't prove it, why do you think so many good people become representatives every election and two or three elections from now they're gone? Because it's a thankless, ridiculous job for no dough if you don't get on the gravy train. And most of these people don't want to get on the gravy train and after two or three years they go, I'm not accomplishing crap. And oh, by the way, I'm, I'm losing money and I'm not getting anywhere. I'm out of here. And then, and then you have some that start to get involved in the process and they're there forever or for a long time. And it, Kevin, it, that's just a bad system. I don't know how you fix it, but I mean, I don't know if you agree or not. No, it, it is. It is a bad season. But I, I think there are a real lot of honest people there. We just never hear from them. Yeah. Yeah, they get buried. They, yeah, or, they, and they're they, gone. They, and, and then they, you know, they, they realize they're not going to be effective and they move on. Hey, yeah. in, in the closing minutes, let's, yeah. uh, um, let's fill in the blank from the beginning of the show. So the NBA G League at night. It's, uh, they play outside. It's, it's a one-year uh, program. It's designed to develop some of these high school kids, and they play a G League schedule, but it's outside of the normal G League schedule. Um, they, so they get it, paid? it basically is the very young, talented. You know, these are top twenty-five types of kids coming out of high school, and they're going and playing these, uh, um, you know, older uh, veteran G League te- players as a team. Um, who pays them? Who runs that stuff? Uh, the NBA. So, but it's a different dynamic. In, in baseball, they draft you before you get to the A League. And in basketball, they just contribute money. They get a bunch of hundred kids doing this. Yeah, and they, and they, they, they limit the eligibility of who who can play in there. And and I I don't know exactly how that works. Now, overtime elite is something completely different. That's a professional basketball league for sixteen to twenty year olds in Europe. It, no, in the United States. Okay. It's, it's based in Atlanta. They're up to six teams, and what they do is they combine, um, uh, they they combine the basketball and paying these kids. And I don't know what their average salaries are. I'll see if I can find that at some point. Um, and then they also have uh, an academic program alongside of it, and it has a four to one student to teacher ratio uh, in the academic program. So. What they're doing is they're taking people inside and, and, and at a high school level. So starting at a high school level, um, and uh, uh, and they're you know they're they're actually providing an education that may be better than what they're getting in their high schools and what they may get in their first year. So now, do they get a piece of uh, the contract? Uh, don't know. Haven't gotten that far. I'm just you know just did a quick look up and scroll. So I, I think that would be. Uh, um, that would be something worth discovering. Yeah, because you're not doing this for the goodness of your heart. I can't believe they're making money on these. No, but they've a- yeah, and they've actually built an arena where they play. <laughs> you see, you know, a nice little arena that you know seats up to 1,300 people. Um, 
because I mean, and I think it has a, it has a, a fitness center and a hydrotherapy room and classroom spaces and a dining hall and locker rooms. So I, I don't know. How, I, I don't know what their revenue model looks like. I'll, I'll, I'll have to we'll go have to dig in because I think like the uh, the non non affiliated baseball teams, like the one in Crestwood and the one uh, in uh, there's one on the north side too. Uh, I think those guys hold the tryouts. They do the coaching. And if somebody goes to the majors, gets signed, I think they get paid for that. I, you know, they get their gate, but I think you have to purchase the contract. And I think I, you know, I, that's another thing I should research because I actually went and saw a guy pitch there one night. And he was he pitched seven strong innings. He was eighty-eight miles an hour. He wasn't, you know, not hundred or anything. And I went to see who the guy was on Monday. And he was already gone. Mm. So somebody grabbed him that quick. Uh, but I have a feeling that there must be some. I mean, for this guy to hold the tryouts and all the other stuff, he's getting some gate. But I there's got to be some remuneration. Yeah, there's got to be something there, right? going on. So I, I don't know what that is, but it is good to see uh, because we've talked about this over the years. Um, it, it is good to see that there are alternatives to just sending people to college who don't, who either don't belong there or don't want to be there. I would agree. You shouldn't have to masquerade as a college student to be a to be a basketball player. I agree. SP Futures down twenty two. As if he was down 96, looks like we're not really, at least not yet. We'll be right back. Stacks and Jacks, Carl Denninger. This self-directed trading is a lonely job. Online trading is not as easy as point and click. No, it's not. Everyone, even professionals, need to share ideas and think out loud every now and then. That's what I like about PTI Pro Direct. Their staff of former option floor traders really helps me choose the right strategy for trading option volatility and plan the time to gain for my covered writing program. Yep, nothing can replace years of trading experience to stop you from making that dumb trade and for saving a few bucks. We've all been there and done that. <laughs> yeah, I have access to all that great trading advice and experience for just a penny a share for stocks, $1 for equity options, and $1 minimum a trade. Our clients at PTI ProDirect can call when they need a little help on a trade or just to talk about the market in general. We trade every day. We love this stuff. That's what I like most about PTI ProDirect. Cheap prices along with great advice from real floor traders. It's the best of both worlds. Tell your friends. That's PTIProDirect.com. PTIProDirect.com. Are you one of the millions of people who suffer with pain? Do you wake up in the morning with stiffness in the lower back or neck? Why are you using medication to cover up the symptoms without treating the actual cause? Painkillers, muscle relaxants, and anti-inflammatories are not the answer. At ChiroMed, physicians are trained to detect the cause of your symptoms and to correct the underlying problem. If you're ready to listen to common sense and do what it takes to make changes in your body that can affect your health for the rest of your life, give ChiroMed a call and set up a complimentary consultation. They're located in Orland Park and can be reached at 708-403-2727. 20,000 patients over 22 years have been treated at ChiroMed and over 90% of them have had positive results without medication or expensive surgery. Isn't it time you did something good for your body too? Give ChiroMed a call, 708-403-2727. That's 708-403-2727. Let's get you pain-free and living again. Hi, I'm Audrey Johnson, an owner of HomeSource Realty and a frequent contributor to Stocks and Jocks. If you're nervous about the stock market and considering diversification or are looking for a rate of return way better than your banks, consider adding rental properties to your portfolio. Whether it's a condo, single family, or multi-unit building, I can help you select a property that meets your financial needs. Call or text me at 708-349-3000. 
708-349-3456. That's 708-349-3456. Or visit my website at myhomesourcerealty.com. That's myhomesourcerealty.com. Stocks, jocks, stocks and jocks. Stocks and jocks. You are out of control. Here, right now, right here, right now, right now. Something happening here. Hello, Mark Beck, I'm Tom Andrew on the board. SP Futures down 23, NASDAQ Futures down 103. This is the lowest we've seen it. Just got a little flash across my screen here, Andrew, that you neglected to mention. It says, polluted air. I wouldn't breathe it if I were you, or something along those lines. No. What's our alternative? <laughs> Just saying. Yeah, that's not good. I don't know what else you can do with that. <laughs> well, if, well, if, well, ask Carl. He knows everything. What happens if the air is no good, Carl? You're just screwed or what? Well, I I guess uh, you just have to breathe it, don't you? I mean, it it certainly beats the alternative. Yeah, yeah, it's uh, I, you know, speaking speaking of breathable air and such, you know, it, <laughs> you notice how we we just chewed up five days on something that was completely stupid. Yeah, I mean, objectively known to be stupid. The the outcome of the event was known on Sunday. Yeah, you know, I, I read something about that. What turns out they heard the explosion? Well, okay, so let's put a little perspective yeah. on this because we're talking about people, the submarine. Everybody doesn't know what they're talking about. You know, we're, ta- we're talking about the submarine. Uh, well, not a submarine. It's a submersible. The difference is a submarine has enough supplies and power to go f- to and from port on its own. In other words, it doesn't okay. need surface. It doesn't need a surface vessel as a as a source of not dying within hours. Okay, um, so as a submersible is is you know could be anything from a bathysphere you know diving bell to you know to what this was. Um, so here's the thing. So there's a ship on top of this thing the whole time. Correct. Okay. And and while at at that depth. Um, there's all sorts of, of very serious challenges that come into play uh, simply because of the pressure involved at that depth. Uh, put a little perspective on this. A standard diving tank that you would rent or buy to, uh, to scuba dive uh, has 200 bar, 200 uh, times the uh, pressure of air at the surface in it when it is full, approximately 3,000 pounds per square inch. Uh, and that's that's a 200 bar tank. Uh, bar is one atmosphere. At that depth, the pressure is over 300 bar. Now there are high pressure tanks you can buy and get filled that uh, that have 300 bar ratings, which is about 5,000 pounds per square inch. But that is the maximum for commercially available stuff. And how far now can you go with that? Well, now here's the. <laughs> Here's 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 the interesting little piece of information on this. A standard scuba dive tank uh, has the energy in it of approximately two hand grenades. And every now and then, somebody does something really stupid with not inspecting them properly, uh, or and and they do get damaged sometimes, just like anything else, or mechanical. You know, I mean, you can drop them; they you know they get banged around and such. They're supposed to be inspected every year. 
uh, valves taken out and uh, and specifically you look around the where the valve screws in to make sure there are no cracks developing uh, and with aluminum tanks because aluminum is fairly brittle there's actually a an eddy current tester that looks for cracks you can't see all right and so if you don't do that uh, you don't bother with these things uh, in order to get a sticker that the dive shops will fill it you have to have done it but you can you know you can buy a compressor yourself there's nothing preventing you from doing that i had i used to own one when i dove pretty frequently because it was a lot cheaper uh, even over time for me to to buy the equipment rather than it was to pay some dive shop especially if you're doing any kind of deep stuff where you're using mixed gases and i was uh, but if you don't do the work uh, it can explode and if it does, uh, what used to be a garage is now a bunch of kindling wood. And if you're in there, you're a bunch of kindling wood. Um, so here's the thing. At this depth, you have approximately twice the energy in a dive tank, in each dive tank's worth of volume, uh, trying to get in to the, that, the, that space. Uh, now think about how many dive tanks you could stuff into a submersible of that size. That gives you an idea how much energy uh, is involved in something like this. That's the challenge, the engineering challenge. When this thing blew up um, and imploded, the compression to the ambient uh, pressure out there happened in a thousandth of a second. It's kind of like a diesel engine uh, igniting so uh, no you don't know that it's coming you're instantaneously dead uh, and then everything that is potentially flammable in that space ignites because of the compression of the air to one three hundredth of its original size <laughs> yeah. and so so yeah it's it's instantaneous it's catastrophic you're done that's the end of the show and uh, and the noise it makes because there is a secondary ignition event is extremely distinctive. Cannot be mistaken for anything else. Uh, and we have arrays of microphones all over the place, as does every other nation that has an active submarine program, because submarines are bad, especially if they're full of nuclear missiles and could be sitting off your coast to uh, to shoot you. So we have warning nets, and this, I mean, Russia has warning nets, and other nations have warning nets. Uh, and ours, uh, according to the Wall Street Journal, detected this, which is not surprising. Uh, what annoys me to no end is that the Wall Street Journal thought that this was worth publishing and generating a bunch of clicks, uh, because revealing, uh, even though I'm sure the Russians and everyone else knows that we have these kinds of advanced capabilities, because they do too, uh, putting this kind of stuff in print is kind of stupid. It serves no newsworthy purpose, except in one place. And that is that uh, the Navy apparently told the Oceansgate people that they had detected this on Sunday. And therefore, the Coast Guard and everybody else knew full well that there was absolutely no reason to continue doing anything at that point because there was nothing left to recover. Anybody that was in there uh, was combusted red mist and so was anything else that could potentially burn. Uh, and it well, happened... The ship sitting on top, the, the mothership had to know. Well, the mothership something. lost... Communi- well, they had a communications tether, and, the, and they lost signal, okay? So the thing is this. If you're, in, if you're in a submersible like this, and you're not dead, and you lose contact with the mothership for whatever reason, 
your you know your your tether cable gets severed due to due to something. Um, you know, I mean, the winch could be bad on the surface, right? Was and this thing tethered? And, was this thing tethered? It it had a communications tether. It did. It did. You couldn't haul it back up with that tether. Okay. Okay. But it had a communications tether. Uh, that was reported publicly that that was the case, and that they lost contact with it. Well, if that happens and you're in the thing, and you're not dead because there's been a failure of the electronics or whatever, you immediately surface. Okay, if you're able, you immediately surface. Why? Because you're absolutely reliant on that surface ship. And if you get lost and get blown off the wreck by currents and you surface and they can't find you, you're still going to die. And now it's going to be really bad because you're going to be on the surface. You can't get out. Okay, so now you're in this tin can floating on the, well, carbon fiber can floating on the surface. No way to get out and you have a limited air supply. That's bad. <laughs> well, don't don't uh, sometimes. You know, I'll, I'll guess I'll I guess I'll be nice here for a while because I wasn't the first hour. Uh, the sometimes don't people use something like this, like you know, searching for a plane that's down, like Steve Fawcett's plane or whatever. People use it in the military and the Coast Guard is just a very serious like live drill. Oh sure. Well, I mean, but to, look, a, to, the, the, to 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 a positive sort of thing. I mean, there's some positive to it. Oh, absolutely, and and by the way, for those people who think that the Coast Guard shouldn't have, you know, shouldn't have bothered with, you know, with trying to, you know, look for these guys at all, uh, may I point out that's their job. Yeah. yeah okay. That's, that's I mean, I have, uh, yeah, I have absolutely no problem with, you know, with this kind of thing, uh, you know, with the Coast Guard going looking for. I mean, that's their job, literally their job, and it is one of the few things that they actually do. I mean, obviously, the rest is, you know, interdicting drug trafficking and stuff like this. But, but their actual job is safety of life at sea, what's called SOLAS. And, and so, yeah, if you're in trouble and you're at sea, uh, they're, they're going to try to find you. Now, the, the reality is, is that if you're lost at sea, the odds of them finding you are extraordinarily bad. Okay? But they try. And, and I give them credit for trying. We have an agency. That's their job, is to try. And that's fine. I got no problem with that. We spend a lot of money on readiness and having the equipment and everything else and the guys, and uh, this, that's that's perfectly fine. But in this particular case, the the military uh, and therefore command and control, and by the way, they, they they apparently alerted OceansGate that they detected this, so the company knew that this thing had blown up, and that that basically the game was over. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you know, I mean, it, it's. Uh, I have all sorts of problems with what happened here, because uh, as it turns out, um, there were a number of very stupid design decisions. Um, well, but everybody, everybody was on edge that cared about that cares about anybody. I mean, I heard the bar the other night. How many hours these guys got left, and, and they were already gone. Is what you're telling us? They were dead instantaneously. Yeah. Okay, I mean, you, they, they, you didn't. When this happened, they didn't even have time for their brain to process the fact that they were about to die. That's how fast it happens. Were you, were you ever you're involved, dead before you didn't know what happened? Were you ever involved in uh, some of the Coast Guard stuff down in Florida? One of the guys who uh, headed a clearing firm here, I, I think he might still be alive, Larry Bloom. Nice guy. He was a pilot in his younger days and lived in Florida in the wintertime, and he had a. I don't know if they paid him or not, but when he went up 
I mean, to be a private pilot, you got to go up, you know, once a week or every couple of weeks to keep yourself current, right? Or whatever. Maybe it's not that often, but but he would actually uh, file something with the Coast Guard, and they'd say, "All right, here here's your area." They give him like a couple of square miles spot out in the Gulf, and he would go check and make sure everything was okay in that area. I mean, uh, oh oh sure. No, we used to. I mean, I used to see those guys out there all the time. Okay, and and. I, and, and some of that was just that you know I mean you've you've got to go do the work and and some of it is uh, you know is in anger. Uh, we had, you know, you typically if you're out there in a boat, you've got your radio on, and you know all sorts of things like that. You know that kind of thing. Every now and then, I had a couple of instances where we we actually went after somebody who had reported that they were on fire, and, and we were not the first vessel to get there. Um, somebody else had, you know, already picked the people up that had jumped in the water. But, yeah, the boat was on fire. I well, mean, you know, that kind of thing happens. So, I mean, there's, uh, you know, th- there are routine everyday disasters, and that is, I mean, that is the Coast Guard's job, is to go try to interdict this kind of thing and get the, you know, get the humans. The heck with everything else. I mean, the property, well, you know, it's too bad. But but the deal is try to keep the humans from becoming shark food. Well, one of the, one of the dudes uh, I used to trade with, uh, his son, I don't know if he ended up getting in or not, because I kind of lost track of him, but he, he was going to go to the Coast Guard Academy, which is it's on, it's on Long Island, right? I think, somewhere out there. Uh, is it on Long Island? I, th- I think so. But um, it's, it's, the, you know, it's the, f- the fourth military academy, basically. Right. And, uh, and evidently, the, the people who know more about fire than anybody else in their training are people that come out of the Coast Guard Academy. Yes, absolutely. And uh, so... One night, I don't know how he landed somebody, but I, I was talking to some guy who was a big shot at Chicago Fire Department. And I said, uh, or maybe it was just a regular old pal, I don't know. And I said, you know, why, why don't, are these guys, what if one of these guys that came, retires from the Coast Guard and wants to come become a fireman? Is it like the, the Chicago Fire Department, like, reach out an olive branch and go snag this guy? Oh, no, he's still got to, like, take his test and go up the other way. I said, you got to be kidding me. There's no, oh yeah, no, they're nuts. And yeah, it, it, yeah. There's all sorts of crazy stuff like that. But this is so. We, we spent the last week, everybody, yeah, I, and I can't tell you how much ink, digitally, and you know, New York Times, New York Post, everybody else, about you know, oh, they have you know, they have twenty seven out, you know, the, and then you have the psychologists. What's going through their head as they're down there, you know, as the, as the air is about to run out, and you know, this is going to be a terrible way to die and everything. Look, first off. You have something to breathe. You're using a chemical scrubber because you cannot vent anything into the atmosphere. This is this thing operates at room pressure, okay, at at 5,000 psi on the outside. So you cannot pump anything out of the vessel. And if there's any violation of the hull's integrity, you're dead instantly. So whatever's in there stays in. Whatever's out, had <laughs> better stay out. Uh, which means you're using a chemical scrubber, much like you'd use with a rebreather, to get rid of the carbon dioxide. And you have a tank with oxygen that makes up the oxygen that people consume. If you run out of that, either of those, you just pass out. You don't, you don't, there's, there's none of this, I can't breathe yeah. nonsense. Okay, you just pass out because there's not, there is something to breathe. There's just, there's no oxygen in it. And so you pass out and you die. But it's, it is not an anxiety, I mean, other than the fact that you know what's going to happen when the gauge reads zero, right? Uh, so I mean, certainly, you know, psychologically, you know about it, but but from a standpoint of you know physical discomfort, there's none. You just you pass out. That's it. You're done. Um, but it, it, this was 
that that was not the situation in play. And I, and I said when this started, there were two possibilities. One was that this had happened. And the second was that they were entangled, that they had gotten down there, and because this vessel has very little power, and you cannot go outside to clear anything that you're caught up on, that they're entangled in something. You know, people lose fishing nets and lines and hooks and stuff like that all the time. It's constant. I, I used to dive all the time. There's all kinds of stuff down. There's a the reason that you carry cutting tools with you on your diving kit, because if you get caught up in that stuff, you're dead. And so, but in a submersible like this, you can't go outside to clear it, and you don't have enough power to be able to break free from it. So if that happens, you're done. And there's nothing you can do about it. And so, you know, you obviously, you do everything you can to stay away from that for obvious reasons. Um, but that was the second possibility, was that they'd gotten tangled up in some, you know, some mess, basically, down there. Whether it was the wreck itself or it was, you know, a net from a fishing vessel that had, uh, you know, been lost and had uh, drifted over the top and they get caught in that. Uh, you know, a hundred different possibilities. How much, of that what sort. kind of a, a light does this thing carry so you can see anything? Oh, a, a lot, because that's the other thing, is that uh, once you get down there to any... You, you really don't see any color below about 30 or 30, 50 feet. Um, I, I used to spearfish, and uh, you don't see the color on the fish. You see the fish, but you don't see the color on the fish. Now, if you carry a light with you because you're taking video or pictures, then, you know, then obviously you do. But the uh, red is filtered first, and then as you go deeper... Uh, you, there's there's nothing. It's pitch black. So as a result, yeah, at that kind of depth, uh, you have to carry your own illumination. So they've got, you know they have lights, external lights, and uh, and power to run them, because without that, you can't see anything. Well, isn't the Titanic uh, pretty much disintegrating year by year now? I mean, it's been down. Well, everything, everything. I mean, the sea, you know, yeah. Except not, you know, not as much as you think. And that's the, that's kind of the interesting thing is that the water is so cold that it's uh, you know it's a few degrees above freezing okay and as a result um you know at that depth uh, and at that pressure there's there is there is life that is eating the metal um and and uh, you know and rust i mean rust never sleeps but the deterioration uh, yes it, it does take place and it is going on and you know but but there's still a vessel down there it's it's identifiable as a ship I mean, you know, it's the the Edmund Fitzgerald, you know, went down Lake Superior, and uh, and that's still identifiable as a ship down there in the bottom. Yeah, well, a lot of the World War II uh, stuff they found down there, they, they still look like, I mean, obviously the guns and stuff are still oh, like yeah. guns and everything. Um, hey, uh, we want to talk a little bit, uh, I don't know if listened to Dan yesterday, I, I, you know, instead of me just constantly accusing people of not kind of opening their eyes, uh, I'm going to say, Kyle, it, given the fact that these we've seen so much Fed activity in the last three years, and we've seen so much uh, scrutiny of numbers to the point where the numbers, you wonder if, if they're legit or not. I mean, it, that just seems like it happens whenever people scrutinize stuff. I mean, it, it sure did in the money supply numbers back in the day and everything else. On Thursday night, people couldn't wait to go to the screen, right? Uh, see the money supply numbers that nobody gets anymore. Um, is I'm having a real, even though I have my opinions on where I think the economy's heading and whether uh, there is a quote recession or not. I look at the individual people and I say I don't know if there's a recession, but I know 80% of the people I know are in a recession. 
uh, in terms of less spending value than they had last year, maybe even more than 80 more than eighty percent. You see every union contract coming out that doesn't match even the real inflation, let alone what I think is there. So, I mean, I just see people backtracking, and yet, you know, if you stay in your, I mean, if, if, you, if you stay in the CNBC room where these people make a fortune for doing God knows what, there's, of course, there, there was a bar in South Bend, uh, Carol, and I don't want to be one of these people, but when the poster was, just remember, everybody in the world except you is overpaid. And, uh, you know, so yeah, I, well, what else is new, <laughs> right? What else is, so I, I guess my feeling is the people at CNBC are overpaid, but anyway, the, uh, I'm, maybe they aren't. Maybe it's very competitive. I have no idea. But I guess what I'm saying is Dan was in uh, Boston, and Boston now evidently is a real big biotech town, and there's a lot of people with a lot of biotech money there. And he goes, if you're here, you can't even imagine that there's a recession anywhere. Every place is full. Everybody's got dough. Prices are high. Nobody cares what they're paying. Because it's, it's really something. It's, it's, it's alive. And I, I think if there's, there's spots here in the city, uh, in Chicago, if you go to the West Loop tonight on a Friday night, you'll find everything over there. You couldn't stuff another fanny in any of those bars and restaurants and out, outdoor places. I mean, it, it looks like if you just stick in the areas that, that well, that's a, an opinion in there, I don't, I'm not so sure I can figure out where the hell we're at here. I mean, I think this is almost like 1929 from what I've read. Some percentage of the people, it was the best thing that ever happened in the world. The rest of the people are like, going, what's going on here? I mean, I, oh, I, you know what? I can't, I can't argue against that. And I'll tell you, you know, I think I pointed out a couple of weeks ago on the show that uh, my daughter and I were down in the Destin area where I used to live uh, about a month back. And uh, I was stunned at the inflation that had occurred over the last 18 months, which was the previous time I'd been down there. Uh, uh, everything, 40 percent. Okay. Uh, uh, you mean you've been this, gone since before COVID, right? Well, no, I've been back a couple of times after, but uh, but I hadn't been down there in about a year and a half. And you know, I still have a couple of friends that live in that area, and we went into a couple of places that used to be my old haunts, um, including what is arguably the best steakhouse in the area. And I, I was just, I was absolutely blown away at the shifts and it was everywhere it wasn't in one place or another it was everywhere um and it was you know if you would live there and and it all happened gradually be one thing right i mean you might you know you might kind of go "Eh." but to to not be there for a year and a half and then come in and see it all at once was unbelievable i mean it's just one of those things that you look at and you go what you know, and I mean, we were there on vacation, so you know, you you just deal with it. But here's the thing: that place was packed to the rafters. Yeah. Well, okay. How many, how many mean, places are closed around? Yeah, you there? couldn't get a, you couldn't get another butt in a seat. But I mean, are, are okay. there are there three places you you can identify within a mile and a half that didn't survive COVID? There's less places. Oh, absolutely. I mean, there was there so was. How do you, how do you, but how do you make that camp, computation? I guess what I'm saying. Well, it's very hard to do, and then, but then here's the other side of it. Okay, down in Fort Walton, where you know this is my favorite bar was and still is, uh, there are three brand new microbreweries that are in the process of being built. Three. Well, and it's, it seems like. Uh, well, but uh, but I mean, you yeah. know, okay. So how's this? How is all of this crazy price ramping? You know, screwing the. I mean, these people all think that they're going to be able to make a business out of this, so they wouldn't do it, right? Well, but how many people? You know how the restaurant game goes. 
Well, I do, but I yeah. but I, still, I mean, this is this is a place that had one microbrewery, right? right? I and, get it. and now it's going to have three. But I mean, if I, I mean, I, I I talk to you about this because you have the same sort of thought process I do. It's a I mean, it's a very economic sort of thing. But I mean, if I walk into Gibson's tonight, and or or uh, Chicago Cut, and it's you know, you know, butthole elbow. Uh, uh, how can I really? They were pretty crowded before. How do I, unless I really know the numbers, how do I account for Ruth Chris's, Morton's, and another place that went under, went under that were their competitors during the COVID? I mean, right. I well, I, that's well, yeah, that's the problem, right? I mean, that is, that is the issue. Is that it's? I don't know how you. I mean, one of the things that I that I thought was so interesting was that uh, you know during the during the time that pretty much everybody else was locked down, but we weren't here in, in Tennessee. Uh, the the county commission was crowing about how their sales tax. I mean, you know, sales tax revenue is pretty high frequency data, right? I mean, because you yep. know, sales tax reports have to be filed every month, and you know, the checks have to be paid. So you get a pretty good handle on a local economy if you have your you know your finger on that pulse. Um, they were, boy, they were giddy with what was going on, and and I was there to uh, to raise some stink about a, a few other things, uh, having to do with the you know the mask policies and things like this, and and I amended my remarks and changed my presentation a little bit and pointed out to the commission that if they were counting on this given the uh, the inflationary impulse that had been injected into the economy and they were making longer term budgetary plans based on this they were going to get nailed and that the county had better be figuring out how to deal with that not being there on a durable basis because it wasn't going to be and now i'm seeing it okay there's there is uh, <laughs> traffic levels here are down and not a little and yeah, how so you, how yeah, long I guess as, as part of that, we got to go. We got to dash off the break here in a minute. But there's there's so many uh, variables here, Carl. When people start opining, and uh, you know, and again, I have my my views from the people I see in Chicago is not doing as well as these other places. So I have that that bias, I guess. You know, uh, clearly the other places. I mean, Washington's probably doing fine. I mean, you know, given the lobbyists and everything. I mean, it, I, I it's it's really hard because nobody really wants to kind of understand how, what every man's doing. Nobody really cares, uh, really. I mean, if, I mean, you and I do, but I, uh, the thing that really, when you look at lack of education, I know I'm skipping around here, but it's, it's kind of the same theme for me. How is it that even the people on the show, if I were to say to, to everybody, who is the single biggest benefactor of inflation to 100 people, how many of them would say government? Any? No, probably me. none. But boy, is that not the truth? It is absolutely the truth. And and you know, here's here <laughs> one of one of the things that I think is so interesting uh, with all the stuff that's going on. You you think about where it's really gone, okay? Where this is where this has been funneled into, and where the biggest benefactors are, uh, and and where the problem resides within the government, as in terms of how this has kind of settled out. All right. The first place within the federal government is CMS. If we do not solve that problem, this country is going to financially fail. And then it will socially fail very shortly behind that. And you're going to end up with a civil war type of scenario in the United States 
Argentina style. It's going to happen. It's not a maybe. It absolutely will happen if this is not stopped. It, it's it's it, driven that way uh, relentlessly. By I, I I know, Chief, yeah. but you know what? Here's here's the if you, if you think about where this is going. All right, I've been talking about this now for more than twenty years. All right, all the way back into the 1990s, I was raising a stink about this stuff, and and it has tracked almost exactly with the exponential projections that I made at the time. It is almost an exact track. I, I was looking at this saying 2023, 2024. Well, here we are, guys. All right, and the numbers that I projected back then are pretty much exactly on point. Now that's a, I mean, you think about how long that is and the vagaries of, you know, uh, Democrats, Republicans, you know, whatever. I mean, that's amazing. It's just astounding, and nothing has been done about it. And then, and this is all rankly, absolutely lawless. All right, 15 United States Code Chapter 1 is not a suggestion. Neither party will bring a single charge related to this. And you wonder why we have situations like what just happened with the Biden family and, and, we now have IRS whistleblowers that said we had hard evidence that felonies were involved here. Not one felony, not two felonies, lots of felonies. And we were blocked at all different levels at bringing, you know, at, at trying to bring this into the justice system and get this thing tried. All right. Well, that's not the only example, obviously. Well, right? just, just if, you, if you just trace it, I don't really, one of these days we'll do it, but just trace the last person you knew that actually went into a big hospital in the city of Chicago. Well, you, yeah. You, you, it, can, you it, can't yeah. get in. Here's the cost. By the way, they'll do any tests they want. They, you, nobody, and you're going to get the bill. And, yeah. the, and the difference between the uh, accountability to family members and so forth post-COVID and before, they've used that as a way, no, you can't see them. They'll call you up and give them the approval for this test. So why are you giving them the test? It's, it, it is scary. Hey, I got three quick questions for you. And Andrew, uh, before we go to break, that you can ponder, and I'll tell you where this came from. Define the following forms of government democracy, limited monarchy, absolute monarchy, republic. Give examples of each. There would be one. Give the eligibility of president, vice president, and governor of Kentucky. And what is a copyright and what is a patent right? Um, and I'm going to say to you guys that this came from the elementary school county in Kentucky in 1912. There's, yep. about, there's about 40 questions here, and I'm going to say I might know the answer to 15 of them. Uh, well, those those three I wouldn't have a problem with, but the other three I could yeah, those three I could make I could make a stab at. <laughs> but but the the stuff here in the history part, my God, it's a uh, oh yeah. Describe the Battle of Quebec. Uh, during what wars were the following battles fought? Brandywine, Great Meadows, uh, Lundy's Lane, Antietam, and Buena Vista. Give the the cause of the War of 1812 and name an important battle uh, that fought that uh, determined that during that war. Uh, does anybody even know there was a war in 1812 anymore? Yes. Wait a minute. I, I know there was one. SP <laughs> 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 Futures down 26. The SP Futures down 122. That's one I kind of put on the back burner. <laughs> what can I tell you? Be right back, Stacks and Jacks. 
How much confidence do you have that your investments will make you wealthy? Do you truly know the odds? Welcome to Luckbox, the control freak's guide to life, money, and probability. Luckbox shows you how to factor in the likelihood of success before you commit to an investment or any other life decision. Your brain is smarter than your gut, and that's why you owe it to yourself to read Luckbox. We've made it easy because Luckbox is free for one year at luckboxmagazine.com jocks. Each new issue dives deep into the current investing climate, separates the signal from the noise with timely, actionable trading ideas, and equips you with savvy investing tactics you don't already know, all while exploring how to live your best life through music, spirits, food, sports, travel, fitness, and a whole lot more. Luckbox is the essential magazine for proactive investors who are hell-bent on controlling their financial futures. It's for overachievers and alpha types who don't buy into Wall Street's investment gurus. It's for mavericks who believe in life, luxury, and the pursuit of happiness. It's for you. Smart investors don't bet on possibilities, they play the probabilities. Luckbox is $7.99 on newsstands, but you can subscribe for 10 free digital issues at luckboxmagazine.com slash jocks. Don't rely on luck. Get Luckbox at luckboxmagazine.com slash jocks. Hello, this is Tom Howard, the Chief. We've talked a lot on the show about risk and suitability, about how your portfolio should match your age, income, and risk appetite. It's been hard for investors to maintain that suitability in the last several years due to a Fed strategy that has driven interest rates to virtually zero. You may have even heard that the Fed was trying to drive conservative investors to a riskier portfolio on purpose, for whatever reason. I'm sure you're aware of investors that took some increased risk, such as longer-term fixed-income securities, and are now unhappy with that choice. At PTI, we've always stressed total portfolio risk awareness and tried to minimize chasing returns in a tough environment. Well, now it looks like maybe interest rates are moving more towards historical levels. Everyone needs to be aware of what that continued movement might do to your portfolio, both good and bad. We also have a stock market that seems to have stalled, at least for the short term. I think it's time for everyone to take a serious look at their goals, their risks, and their portfolios. Do they match? If not, we can help. We have a signature protected index program. We have ways to hedge against interest risk. We can make that portfolio right for you again. Go to PTISecurities.com or call us right now. The market can change very rapidly. That's PTISecurities.com. Hi, I'm Audrey Johnson, an owner of Home Source Realty and a frequent contributor to Stocks and Jocks. If you're nervous about the stock market and considering diversification, or are looking for a rate of return way better than your banks, consider adding rental properties to your portfolio. Whether it's a condo, single family, or multi-unit building, I can help you select a property that meets your financial needs. Call or text me at 708-349-3456. That's 708-349-3456. Or visit my website at myhomesourcerealty.com. That's myhomesourcerealty.com. Stocks, jocks, stocks and jocks. Stocks and jocks. You are out of control. Right here, right now, right here, right now, right now. Hello, welcome back to Stocks and Jocks. I'm Tom Howe, Andrew on the board. SP Futures down 31, NASA Futures down 139. Uh, Carl, Andrew, Kevin, just this is, here's a shot. This is a big shot. I'll bet half all high, all high school students can't tell you when the War of 1812 happened. <laughs> okay, that's a, yeah, you know what, that's probably true. By the way, um, the, the, the salient reason for that was that the British were seizing vessels, U.S. vessels in trade, and in many cases impressing the sailors. In other words, they were basically conscripting them, even though they weren't British citizens anymore. <laughs> You guys are sailors. We need sailors. I guess you're our sailors. If not, you know, there's a, there's a, the the hangman's noose or whatever. Yeah, there were there were um, other you know there were other reasons as well. But that but that was the one that really set it off. 
Well, that would so, do it. I mean, you know, kidnap, well, pirate, that would be considered by most other people, um, other than the British, of course, who were doing it at the time, most people would consider that piracy. Uh, I would say so. Yeah. And that was, I mean, that was, and, and organized piracy, not, you know, Very, not, uh, pirates of the Caribbean style, right? It would be, be like us going down when the pirates came up, we're capturing the pirates and making them sailors. Uh, uh, yeah, except that these were, you know, these, these were, were like legitimate guys. Yeah, and, and I mean, that's always, you know, throughout history, um, defending open exchange and, and uh, you know, open uh, commerce and, and right of passage on the oceans is something that historically has led to wars on a regular basis. Uh, yeah, uh, Dow Futures down 144. We'll be quick here. Over in Asia, uh, down across the board, DK down 43, 1.5%. Hang Seng reopening today, down 328, 1.7%, under 19,000. Shanghai down 42, 1.3% at 31.97. Europe down across the board. DAX down 174, 1.1%. FTSE not as much, down 34, only 0.4%. Kick around the same way, down 35.5%. So the DAX is leading us down over there. Uh, with Siemens Energy, I will ask Carl after this what exactly those guys do now. They've been around forever, but I don't know if they're still as big as they were. They're down 34%. That's a lot. Uh, yesterday, Dow was down 4, S&P up 16, NASDAQ up 128. Uh, bonds, real quick, down 8 basis points, 3.71. We've got oil back under $70, down 106 to 68.45. Uh, we've got Arbob down 3 cents, 251. Gold up a little bit, but still way down. Up 810 to 19.31. Silver down 12 cents, 22.34. And we've got the U.S. dollar. Uh, where are we here? We're, we are, we're, actually, we're, we're uh, we're stronger pretty good on the day, with the, with the euro now down under 109, 1088, and the British pound down below 128 and 127 too, so the dollar's pretty strong today, that's why gold and oil are having so much trouble. Uh, what do you got for us? Quick tra- traffic weather sports, Andrew. All right, just quick sports here. Uh, Diamondbacks won over the Nationals last night, 5-2-3, and that was a makeup game from June 6th. Uh, wet Chicago weather it is currently 64 degrees. We got sunny skies. We're gonna have a high of 81 today. We do have an air quality alert today, so uh, they're recommending that we stay indoors as much as possible. Let's see, over in Phoenix, they're at 80 degrees, clear skies. They're gonna have a high of 99. That's gonna hit around 5 p.m. And finally, for Chicago traffic, uh, still a pretty heavy day today if you're on the inbound. Uh, Kennedy Expressway. Thankfully, a major accident from earlier has cleared. Uh, and same on the Stevenson. That accident has cleared. However, just a little bit on the middle of the Stevenson and the Eisenhower. Expect uh, some delays. A little bit more than a Friday, but uh, nothing too out of the ordinary. So that's the quick break. Back to yeah. Carl, we should know these. And then, I'll, then I promise to stop. Who invented the following? Magnetic telegraph, the cotton gin, the sewing machine, the telephone, and the phonograph. I'm going to say the cotton gym was Eli... Uh, yeah, that was Eli, right? Eli, what was the last name? Eli Whitney. Whitney. African-American gentleman, correct? Uh, believe so, yeah, yeah. And yeah. That, you know what that... Uh, you ever seen... Well, gee, I, gee, I wonder what his interest in that was. I don't... Yeah. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, you ever seen one of those things? Yeah, kind of an interesting... I mean, you think about... Uh, by the way, um, another interesting, somewhat related invention uh, was a decorticating machine which led directly to uh, the Hearst Empire uh, pushing very hard to make illegal marijuana in the United States, uh, reason being that hemp made better paper than trees. And the Hearst Empire was vertically integrated uh, in newspaper publishing, including the trees. What, uh, didn't they used to make 
paper out of cloth too, right? Well, yeah, that's uh, but uh, you know, not not uh, something you could do in a mass production environment, and people could afford. Um, couldn't, yeah, make well, fi- couldn't make fish wrapper out of it, basically. Well, I'm gonna wander. Like I always, I'm gonna wander off here. All the people that I've I've met, Carl, and I'm sure you've met the same. We we had a guy a guy show up at uh, PTI way back in the day, and to say he was a character was an understatement. The guy looked just like Jabba the Hutt, and it was you know it was an odd looking odd looking duck. And the guy, I don't know, he, he ended up not not trading through his thing. I didn't really want him. He was he was too nuts. But he ran a uh, a business out of Las Vegas in in collectible stuff. Uh, a letter from Lincoln to General Grant and that kind of stuff. What, what, what do they even call that? Yeah. It's a, there's people in that business. And he was giving me, I tell you what, the dude knew a lot of stuff. I mean, you could sit and talk. And he didn't want to. He didn't like the guy. But the it was uh, you could listen to this guy for, for hours. And it was he, was he knew one thing. He was saying that the, that, the, that the White House paper, when they sent a letter somewhere, was on some specific type of stationery that the, the stationery is as good today as it was back then, as long as you keep it, you know, in like in a, in a spot where it's not getting wet or anything. And uh, what was that made from? Was that made from hemp? I mean, uh, or was uh, it? Uh, I, I don't know, but I, I wouldn't be surprised. I mean, it's, there's, you know, there, there was, it, we, we in this country, we have this idea that, you know, this whole monopolist uh, press that we've had, uh, specifically, uh, you know, in the healthcare area, but not only there in technology, uh, you know, social media and things like this. It's, it's some kind of a new thing. It's not. Uh, it's it's been around forever. The easiest way to uh, to make sure that you do well in business is to destroy your competitors, and if you can do it illegally, uh, you know, by doing by coercive means, um, and get away with it. Well, gee, that you know that works out really well for you, right? Not so good for the other guy. So uh, one of the things that uh, you know that came out of the robber baron era. Was uh was Sherman Clayton and and then Robinson Patman, yeah, and yeah. and if you look at the penalties, you know it's you look at the penalties today, you know like oh you know a million dollars for a corporation, well a million dollars in 1915 was a lot was, of money. It was big though, yeah, big yeah, dough. it was a lot of money. Well, it was, so, but it was also it was, uh, wasn't it? It I, I talk a lot uh, more than I should have that if if you if you want to deter somebody. The fine, if it's a fine, has to be essentially whatever you benefited from divided by your chance of getting caught. Well, it has to be higher than that, but yes. But if, even if you made it even, it's a zero-sum game, right? Right, right. You have to. It it, it has to be more profitable to obey the law yeah. than to break it. And I'm going to say that the the did those things. One of those defines trouble damages, right? So if you made well, million, that's yeah. Well, all of the all of the um, anti-monopoly statutes, uh, Sherman and Clayton also carry personal criminal penalty. Right, prison, right. which okay. ne- which has never happened. Well, but, but yeah, and as, yeah. and and that is the other thing is that it's never that never happens. Nobody goes to prison. I would love for somebody to find one case since the 1980s. Where a single corporate executive has served one day in jail for a Sherman Clayton or Rob- well Robinson Patman doesn't have a criminal penalty but but Sherman Clayton do uh, uh, ten years by the way for each person that gets screwed. Well, you uh, you have always talked about the uh, 
well, I mean, what John Dyer was on was the, the, the idea talking about these companies that have, have bought the generic drug makers and brought them back into the fold and raised the price like the next day. That, that, that is an absolute perfect example, right? Talk about a, 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 a combination restraining trade. I mean, duh. Well, yeah, I mean, these are, but, but this is basically, you know, when you, when you look at how this has all played out over the last, you know, over the last period of time, Everyone loves monopolies when they're the guy that's, you know, that's getting oh, yeah. the dough, right? And everybody else, and you say, well, you know, but Joe, Joe could go off and, you know, open a bar if he want to. The problem doesn't lie there. The, the, the reason these things were made illegal is because they screw the common individual, the common man. Right. Who, you know, who needs to buy a gallon of gasoline, needs to buy car insurance, needs, you know, gets, has a heart attack, needs to go to the hospital. That's that's why these things are made illegal. Well, they're, they're made illegal. I'll, t- I'll take the other side. They're made illegal because if you think competition is a good thing, anything that looks to undercut that in a, in a, in a nefarious way is a bad thing. It's a bad. It's a bad thing, right? And well, and if you think about, if if you think about what's what has happened over the, you know, look at the last twenty or thirty years. I I got into it with somebody. Um, uh, it was about a week ago. Uh, and they were uh, their argument was that the medical system has done uh, tremendously miraculous things, and you know has has uh, you know has basically come up with these wondrous ideas, uh, and that have greatly improved life in America, in particular because we're where most of this development happens. And I said, oh, oh really? Over the last, can can you? Uh, why don't you just over the last twenty years, just the last twenty years, since two thousand? Why don't, you, why don't you tell me what? Give me a list. Just give me five. Okay, there aren't any. But you're not. You're you're also walking into a, an argument you can't win. Right? Well, I understand that, but yeah. but the point the point is this, Chief. A hundred years ago, we there really was a lot of that. Okay, penicillin. Right. Right. Antibiotic. I mean, if you were gut shot prior to or or any kind of a wound in your abdomen. Prior to antibiotics, you were dead. Well, you end up with uh, someday, you know, somebody will be foolish enough to put one of us on a board again. Maybe you run into the same sort of zero sense argument if somebody's talking about your chairman, and because they're the ones that put him there, he's done a great job. And oh, by the way, nobody could have done better. How do, how do you how do you even argue that? You pick up. Wait a minute, I know this guy Andrew. <laughs> he he could have done. Yeah. I mean, how do you even how do you even hey. Well, we're off to real quick now because I'm, I'm looking at this thing as I shouldn't be. Do, do we still think that Alexander Graham Bell did the telephone? Um, well, he he commercialized the telephone. He got the patent on it, right? Correct. But he but so there was there. You know, this is this is one of those things that people. The, the other thing is, you know, we we claim that for example that autism is such a horrid thing but if you look at people like edison and bell um and you evaluate uh, how they were from what we know in the written record you, you would have drugged the, those guys into oblivion when they were five today and we wouldn't have any of those things well there's there's an amazing amount of talent in a lot of people that are are, uh, shall we say, most people would think they're not. They're different. Yeah. Well, they're different, and, yeah. it, and, and but that's the thing is today we call that disordered. Right. Okay. Well, guess what? You have electric power in your house. All right. George Westinghouse is another one. All right. 
you have uh, the number of things that you rely on every single day. I mean, you know, look at Henry Ford for crying out loud. Uh, without without these things, I uh, holy smokes. And so the idea that we should that everyone should be the same. Oh, we should all have this conformance. It's it's you know it's so important. Oh, yeah, I mean, it's a lot of a, a lot of your talent is from people that are. are well, look at you. You look at Musk. Yeah. Well, guy, I mean, uh, I, I, I yeah. on some level that you see. The guy's got an amazing imagination, yet he's he, he, he can't keep his mouth shut. <laughs> I mean, well, you know, I mean, e- Elon Elon is also emblematic, though, of much of what's gone wrong with how America does these sorts of things. Yeah, um, I mean, the, you know, if you look at what he's done, uh, the answer is is not very much, other than exploit regulatory capture to get very very rich. Well, Microsoft, after the first couple of things, same deal. They did all they did was buy other people's stuff, right? And and I mean, you know, can, do I give do I give Bill Gates and Allen credit for sitting in a garage and in in a weekend, literally, coming up with an operating system for IBM when the guys that were doing CPM, which was the which was the predecessor on Z80 and 8080 processors, could not get it to work. Okay. Yeah. Absolutely. I mean, there's two dudes sat in a garage and banged out the code. Okay, and that, there was the IBM PC. Uh, that is that is no BS. Actually, getting it done. Okay. I you know I did something similar for a company in the in the you know the early 1980s where they needed something on a specific piece of equipment. It was it was how they were going to solve a business problem at much less cost than what they were doing originally. I wrote the software for them, sold it to them, bang, they were done. And uh, you know there it is. Uh, that kind of thing is is very real. Now you know from a standpoint of of did it change the world? What I did? No, it, it just made me some money. They happened to get to have the opportunity in exactly the right place at the right time. Mine was much more modest. Uh, but did I you know did I sit back and uh, you know basically stick my nose to the grindstone and be very antisocial in ways that today's would if I did that as a eight year old would get me drugged oh yeah you bet um, and same thing with Gates and you know Paul Allen and same thing with a lot of these guys the, the, the problem with people like Musk is that then they take it to the next level and they turn around and they get the government to hand them your money in order to yeah. advance well, things that are uneconomic like his cars right I, I, I don't don't disagree hey uh but I mean, some of these things. I'm looking at this, and and you're the one who got me started here because <clears throat> these are major changes. I mean, if you have pictures, I I saw pictures when I was real young of what people used to look like sewing clothes. All these young girls at age 13, 14. Oh, and yeah. one day, and one day, somebody invented the sewing machine. Wasn't that Singer? Yeah, and and you know, I mean, in fact, uh, I have one of the. Uh, I think it it probably dates to 1960s somewhere. Uh, I have my mother's uh, singer machine uh, in perfectly good functional condition here at the house. I think my brother's got my grandmother's in it with the wheel you had to pedal it. No, it's it this one's motorized. Um but it's one of the originals that, you know, all the all the gears are metal. It's <laughs> it's yeah, it's heavier than a dead priest. Uh, this one had the the belt and you had to use the, your feet. Yeah, this this one's this one is motorized, you know, has a foot pedal and everything for it, but it's uh, you know, it's the the actual foot pedal is is the housing is bakelite. It's not the cheap plastic that is used today. I mean, it's a it's the real deal. I have no idea what it's worth. My my guess is, considering that it's in perfectly good functional condition, pro, quite a bit. Yeah. But uh, 
it's useful. I mean, I you know, hey, if I get a, get something I need to mend, well, guess what? I got a sewing machine, and it actually works. Well, this one has so many parts, I could never string the damn thing. I mean, I would have no idea. Well, yeah. Well, I had to figure out. I you know, I I knew how to use it when I was a kid, so it wasn't all that tough for me to figure out how to you know how to wind a bobbin on it, you know, fill a bobbin, and then you know. My my only job was when. My aunt got older and, and, of course, refused to admit she needed reading glasses. I had to string the thing. Well, there you go. Yeah, because she couldn't see the hole in the needle. Yeah, you couldn't see the hole yeah. in the needle. Hey, does uh, Alexander Graham Bell, is he, does he claim the phonograph, too? Um, well, I don't think that that's appropriate. The, the phonograph is, is probably Edison. Okay, yeah, that's right, Edison. Edison. And uh, the telegraph, I can't remember that one. Well, I wouldn't do so well on this test. Well, you know, that's the way it goes, right? Yeah. Oh. yeah. <laughs> you know, the, these kids, you get a load of this. On the bottom here, it names the people, the, the Bullitt County Board of Election Education. Uh, by, by, the way, by the way, you ought, to know, you ought to know the telegraph. Morse code. Oh, yeah, duh. Yeah, see? <laughs> yeah, duh. <laughs> yeah, and then uh, that's right. Then uh, they had a guy here. Get a look, how, how was this guy's job? Charles Bridwell, truant officer. They actually had a guy who was a truant officer. Can you imagine that today? <laughs> You're running around grabbing uh, kids? I, mean, I don't think anybody cares about that nowadays if they don't show up, right? No, as long as you're their first day and you get the money, nobody cares. It's, but how does, how does, uh, how, do, how do we get, I don't, I don't, I don't want to see kids constantly looking at Washington and saying they're a bunch of crooks. I don't want to, I'd, li- I'd like to see somebody where you say, that guy's above reproach. I mean, I, I don't even know who I'd point to like that. Well, Chief, there isn't anybody anymore. And, you know, the, the, when you look at what's gone on here, the, the corrosive nature over the last 40 years or so, um, and, I mean, I, I saw a lot of it in the tech industry when I was, when I was running MCS. is one of the reasons that uh, I got out of the business instead of trying to adapt to the environment as it was going. And some other people that I know that... Uh, Went the other direction. They ended up, uh, you know, they ended up very successful at it. They're, they, they, uh, you know, still at it. Okay, but I also know plenty of people got buried and ended up with nothing. Um, and and so, uh, you know, but the thing is, is that if you if you were to take that level of, of stuff, and if it st- even if it stopped where in the craziness that was going on with like the SOSIS, you know, the small order system uh, in the 1990s and the markets and things like this, even if you left the corruption level there. Uh, we'd be in a very different world than we're in today, and and the the problem with all of this is that you see the manifestations of it in things like what ha- what what we now know happened, factually happened, with this investigation into the Bidens and the money laundering yeah. that's that was very clearly felony level illegal influence from foreign nations into our government. Right, and I don't, I don't care how you slice it. That's about as bad as it gets. Well, how do you uh, with going but, back? But chief, away. Chief, chief, the point is, is that this has now permeated absolutely everything. Well, I'm with you on that. But how how far along? Uh, I mean, we have the you, you, you're, you of course probably know the bill way more than I do. Uh, the foreign corrupt practices. I mean, we're not supposed we. Uh, People are not supposed to take like any dough from foreign people for an election here, right? Isn't that, that's, isn't that, that yes? That's a Foreign Corrupt Practices Act (FCPA). Uh, actually, it's illegal to take a bribe in another country for the purpose of furthering your business interests in that country. So, 
for example, if I have to pay a bribe in Mexico to build a factory in Mexico, that's actually illegal under U.S. law. Except in Mexico, Except, that's the way it is. Well, right, but the thing is, is that, that that law actually criminalizes doing it, even if it's even if it doesn't touch the United States. The act doesn't touch the United States if the entity does. But it, okay. I mean, every everybody, well, it's a broad accusation. But the little bit I know from the people that I've talked to that do stuff there, anybody in China that it, that doesn't have a oh ab- uh, absolutely I'll, I'll say a, see, I'll say a, a party official on salary. Maybe it's not a bribe, but they're on salary or a consult. You know, oh, is, is a, a consultant a bribe? <laughs> is a consultant a bribe? I mean, uh, everybody's well, got it's somebody. A bri- it's a bribe if it's buying influence. Yes. <laughs> or the guy's helping you out. He's 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 helping you find the properties. Helping you with your labor issues, he's doing all that yeah. stuff. Yeah, he's he's helping and making sure yeah. your competitors don't. I mean, look at what happened to Fellows. They made paper shredders, and and their patented technology got ripped off by Chinese manufacturers, and they were da- they were destroyed. Well, I remember we because uh, we had a dash year crowd. We had we did a lot of stuff in Mexico. Uh, when I say a lot of stuff, people came up and we gave them seminars on option and futures trading. We didn't do anything down there. We had some customers that were doing the peso and so forth, but the, the, the culture is so... If, if I introduced you to Andrew at a bar, 20 years from now, if, if Andrew gets a job from you, I'm going to want a piece. They, yeah. they, they, I mean, what, do they, what do they call them? Promoters. Everybody's a promoter. Yeah, yeah, well, here's another thing to think about, okay? You know, you and I have sparred a little bit about the Volcker thing and that, you know, the Volcker didn't really have to, you know, go as far as he did. All right, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to put this on the table and let you roll around in your head over the weekend. Jerome Powell is going to have to do what Volcker did for exactly the same reason, and that is that Congress is not going to cut this out until they're forced to, and the only way to force them is to detonate the Treasury market. And he's going to have to do it, because if he doesn't, we're going to lose the country. I, uh, let's, let's put that on the table next week, because I, yeah. he's, he's going he's gonna to avoid it, to the point where when he does it, I don't know how much good it's, how much good it's going to do, Colonel. Well, he's he's not able to avoid it. And uh, it's for the same reason that Volcker it, had it, to it do won't, it. I'll, 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 it might be a Fed chairman. It won't be him. Well, I don't know. We'll see. That's if we'll you're see, down 34, and as if you're down 63, you have a nice weekend. It's never going to rain up here again. We're turning into the Sahara. Oh, my God. Here, here it's been the last five days. I've got a bunch of stuff i got to do outside, and I can't do any of it because as soon as I take my saws and stuff out there, they get wet. Oh, God. Here it's no, no <laughs> rain. We'll see what happens to the corn and soybeans the next couple of weeks. We don't get any more. We'll be, we'll be back on uh, Monday. Stocks and Jacks. Stocks and Jocks is brought to you by PTI Securities and Futures. Go to PTISecurities.com. PTI Pro Direct. Trade for as low as a penny per share and a dollar per option contract. Learn more at PTIProDirect.com. Nadex. Offering an intuitive way to trade the financial markets. Visit Nadex.com. Home Source Realty. Call Audrey Johnson at 708-349-3456. Hamzi Analytics. Listen to Fari Hamzi every other Thursday and visit HamziAnalytics.com. Cairo Med. Back or neck pain? Schedule a complimentary consultation by calling 708-403-2727. DAX Research. Tune in for David Andelman's technical analysis on Mondays and Thursdays and call 1-800-821-4968. 